forever. I love you forever, Lord. One more time, I love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you because we really do love you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way. We pray that you would do a shift in our minds and in our hearts. Give us to hear what you're really saying. Help us to see so that our actions will change, so that our lifestyles would change because of your word and because of our love for you. Do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, and we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Praise God. Yeah, anybody excited about God and about anybody grateful in here? I am so grateful. Um, Give honor to our pastor in his absence and give honor to our founding pastor, Pastor Love. Uh, I was asked to go and be a part of um, the service, memorial service that they had for the three young men who were shot and killed in Virginia um, at the University of Virginia on yesterday. And um, ah, so much sadness. And my prayer was, Lord, just anoint me to make a difference. Amen. Comfort your people. Because how many times do you, you go through things in life and you just don't have any words to say? And those are the times that we can look to God and know that only he can, but he will. He will take us through. He will carry you. And, and it was a blessing to be there. My husband and I went and... Um, so we're glad to be back in the house, but we are grateful, and we thank God for his mercy and his kindness and for him being who he says he is. He really is who he says he is, and that is such comfort. God will comfort us because he is a God of comfort. Um, yeah, God is so good. So let's, um, I want us to say a prayer for this message today. So if you just close your eyes, Father, as we look into your word, I pray that you would open our hearts so we can really hear what you're saying. Open our minds to understand it and let it affect our actions and our lives for the rest of our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women who would live your word out. So when we see you face to face, we will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Our theme for 2022 was with, withstanding the wind, and it has been an amazing year. Um, the word was just so powerful every Sunday, and God strengthened us so that we could stand in trying times. He's good like that, right? And the month, our month, this, uh, should I say this month, our focus is zeal for the house, zeal for the house. Uh, if you were here last week, I know you were blessed by Pastor Pearson, where he just had us really focus on our hearts and ask God to change our hearts. And we're going to continue with that today. And, and next week, get ready, get ready, get ready. 
we are going to be honored by Bishop Winans, who happens to be my older brother, who I love, and I'm just so honored that he's coming. He's had a zeal for God for as long as I've known him, and I've known him all of my life. Even in high school, he started a Bible study and, and, and was determined that he, he claimed his high school for, for Jesus. That's the type of zeal that he has had, and he continues to have that zeal. And so we're excited to have him. So please come next week ready to praise God. Bring somebody with you. Amen. Because we're expecting God to do great things. And how many know when you expect it, God shows up, right? All right. Zeal. Zeal is dedication or enthusiasm for something. If you have zeal, you're willing to energize. You're willing, energized, and motivated. Zeal is an intense, profound passion, commitment, fervor, fire, and love. It is often used in a religious sense, meaning devotion to God. Um, the title of my message is My Zeal for Your House. Everybody say, My Zeal, my zeal for, your house. for Your House. This is personal, amen? Each one of us, my zeal for your house. We're talking to God today. So, Nashville Life, do we have a zeal? for participating in Christ's mission. Do we have a zeal? Are we excited about it? You know, it must be personal before it can be collective. So we're going to singular it out. Do you have a zeal for God? Do you have a zeal for the house of God? Do you have a zeal for the work of God? Do you have a zeal for the mission that God has entrusted to you. It's personal. And how many know Jesus is our example, right? He's always our example. Jesus had a zeal for God, a zeal for the house of God, and a zeal for the work of God. My zeal for your house. Now, in order to have a true zeal for the house of God, you have to have a true zeal for God. And the reason I say a true zeal is because last week we learned through Pastor Pearson that you can have a zeal for God and not be saved. Romans 10, 1 through 4 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Because Jesus is the most complete revelation of God, we cannot fully know God apart from Christ. And because God appointed Jesus to bring God and people together, we cannot come to God by another way. Everyone must find salvation through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what nation they're in, what religion they're in. Everyone must find salvation through Jesus Christ. 
The Jews had established customs and traditions to try to make themselves acceptable to God's sight or in God's sight. But human effort, no matter how sincere, can never substitute for the righteousness God offers us by faith. We can only receive salvation as a gift. What a wonderful gift. We have so much to be thankful for because of salvation. Amen? So there's a zeal that is not according to knowledge and a zeal that is part of being saved that is according to knowledge. When Jesus came into the world, he came to offer a righteousness that is different from the, estab from the establishment of your own. Philippians 3, 8 through 11 says, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. After Paul considered everything he had accomplished in his life, he, he decided to write it all off as worthless. When compared with the greatness of knowing Christ, we should value our relationship with Christ as more important than anything else. Can you say anything? More important than anything else. They sang that this morning. Praise God. However, it will mean that you must make major changes in your thinking and in your lifestyle. Will you rearrange your schedule in order to set time aside for prayer and Bible study? Will you change your plans, goals, and desires in order to conform with what you learn about Christ? Whatever you must change or give up, Having Christ and becoming one with him is so worth it. It is so much more than what you have to sacrifice. Paul gave up everything, family, friendship, and freedom in order to know Christ and his resurrection power. And we can do the same. My zeal for your house. The New Testament not only says that you can have a zeal and not be saved, but it also says that you cannot be saved without a zeal for God. Revelation 3, 14 through 19 reads, And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, 
I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Does not sound like a suggestion to me. The church in Laodicea had become lukewarm and thus distasteful. The believers didn't take a stand for anything. Indifference had led them to idleness. By neglecting to do everything for Christ, the church had become hardened and self-satisfied. And it was destroying itself. You know, as a body, we do a good job in destroying ourselves. There is nothing more disgusting than having a, a half-hearted Christian who is self-sufficient. God is requiring your whole heart. What the Laodiceans could see and buy had become more valuable to them than what was unseen and eternal. You see wealth, luxury, and ease, and you know, I really like ease, right? Ease can make people feel confident, satisfied, and complacent. But no matter how much you possess, no matter how much money you have, nothing really counts. Nothing counts if you don't have a vital relationship with Jesus. Everything you can accumulate is worthless without a vital relationship with Jesus. So, how does your current level of wealth and convenience affect your spiritual desire? Are you lukewarm in your devotion to God? The Bible says if we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. Just as the spark of love can be rekindled in marriage, so the Holy Spirit can reignite our zeal for God when we allow the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. You see, when we stand before God, we won't be able to stand before him as a congregation. You won't be able to stand with him with your friends and your family. But when you stand before God, you stand before him alone. All right? 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. I want you to understand today that God is not into the middle of the road devotion to Jesus. You can't be a follower of Jesus and be indifferent and be an indifferent person towards him. 
You've got to have zeal. It's not optional. Romans 12, 19 through 13 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Pastor Nalvin and I always play that game. I'm going I'm to outdo loving you. I'm going to outdo loving you. And he'd be like, I'm in the lead. I'm like, no, you ain't in the lead. I'm in the lead. Verse 12. No, should I say verse 11? Do not be slothful in zeal. Again, not a suggestion. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Contribute. Uh-oh. Is he actually telling us to work? To do something? Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek. Seek means effort. You're looking. And seek to show hospitality. You see, genuine love requires concentration and effort. It means helping others to become better. As a Christian, we honor people because they have been created in God's image and because they have a unique contribution to make to Christ's church. We're going to go to John 2, and we're going to read 13 through 17. It's an account of Jesus cleansing the temple, and it explains how zeal for God's house is an example of God's people, is an example for God's people to follow in their commitment to serving God. Jesus was driven by one singular passion, his love for the Father. It reads, the Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them out all of the temple, drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. I think we can recognize in this picture what Christ found at the temple is exactly what he's finding in our lives. What he saw at the temple is exactly what some of us are dealing with in our lives. What Christ did in the temple is exactly what he needs to do in our lives, in our hearts. Our life is given to us by God so that we can seek him, find life in him, fellowship with him commune with him. Amen? How many know we were brought with a high price? A high price. We are no longer our own, right? When Jesus comes in, he purges things out. It's impossible to accept Jesus in your heart and remain the same. 
because when he comes in, everything that's not like him has to go. I said everything not like him has to go. Not just the things that you don't like, but the things you don't, the things you really want to hold on to. It has to go. He purges us. Now the intention of God's temple is for it to be a house of prayer. Isaiah 56 and 7 says, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. So think about it. Jesus sees when he walks into his father's house, instead of finding people praying and repenting and worshiping, he finds, um, he finds is a den of thieves. Nobody was there for him. Did you come today for him? Do you live your life for him? Now, let's look at what the disciples saw from their vantage point. Back in verse 17 um, in John 2, it says, His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The disciples saw in Jesus' eyes and his demeanor spoke of passion so profound, a zeal that was intense. So I want to ask you, what are you passionate about? I think everyone is zealous for something, but we cannot be more zealous for anything more than for God. Where do you see this passion in your life? Is it for sports? Are you zealous for politics? Are you zealous for video games, for leisure? What is taking the spot where only God belongs? What was Jesus zealous about? Jesus was passionate for his father's house, not the four walls or the structure of the temple. Jesus was concerned for his people. He was zealous that his people would be taken care of and given a place where they could worship in spirit and truth. Today, we call that gathering God's people, the church. That's what he was passionate about. So how zealous are you for God's church? Is the church the center of your life or is it just an afterthought? Here in America, I think we view the church as somewhere to go if you don't have anything else to do. We'll go to church if the kids don't have soccer practice. Sometimes it's not even a game, it's practice. Or I'll go if I'm not too tired because I worked so hard this week. Is it an add-on to your life, or is it the center of your life? You see, church was not an afterthought for Jesus, but it was the center of his life. It was the very center of his zeal. So why are you here? Are you here for selfish motives? 
Even in ministry, we have to make sure that our ministry is not taking first place. God is the only one. Don't let your spouse take first place. Don't let your children take first place. Don't let anything take first place because that is reserved for Jesus and him alone. Right? So some of us have to rearrange some things. And we have to understand that when we come to him, we come to serve. We come to give. Jesus' word said we must come not to be served, but to serve. Amen? So do we really love God's church? The church is all about people. And you can only love God to the measure you love people. You can only love his church to the measure you love people. Ephesians 4.16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. By which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So Ephesians 4.16 reminds us that if you're not serving and leading in love, then you're not doing it God's way. Jesus' focus and zeal has always been on the love of God and the love for his people. Right? So we can't lose sight of that. But it also reminds us that everyone in here has a part to play. You might say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm over 60. You have a part to play. Oh, you don't understand. I'm a teenager. You have a part to play. Oh, but I just got married. No, no, no. You have a part to play. I just had a baby. You have a part to play. I shared in the first service where you know, anybody ever did a puzzle like with thousands of pieces and you work all night on that puzzle and, and you get almost to the end and you're missing one piece? Talking about turning over tables. You're turning over everything. It's like, oh my God, because the picture is not complete. Some of us want to go to churches or bigger churches or because we want to hide. But I'm here to let you know God sees you. We might not see you. But guess what? You don't have to stand before me on judgment day. He sees you. He has your address, your number before you got there. The address he blessed you with. But also, sometimes people feel like, well, I don't have anything to give. No, no, no. He needs you. He's looking for you. He's turning over the tables for you. Because your gift and your talent is so beautiful. It's so awesome. There's some people that only you can touch. Well, I don't sing like so-and-so. He didn't want you to sing like so-and-so. He wants you to use what you've given him because you fit that piece and that puzzle perfectly, and now the fullness of God is seen. 
There's people dying, waiting to see the fullness of God, the full picture. But you're the missing piece. Every part does its share. So when I stand before God, I don't have to give an account for what Pastor Love did. I have to give an account for what I do. What I did with the love of Jesus, what I did with the sacrifice. My zeal for the house. Your zeal for the house. This is between you and God. The Holy Spirit has given us all gifts and talents to strengthen the church, to encourage the church. He's given the church an enormous responsibility. And you know what? The task is impossible for one person to do. And he did that on purpose because he wants all hands on deck. If, if you're breathing today, you have something to give. And he's waiting on you. You might say, ooh, they didn't call me. You're not exempt because we didn't call you. Everybody today, when you leave here, you need to be calling us. What can I do? The enormous responsibility is that we make disciples in every nation. He died for everybody. As part of Christ's body, do you reflect Christ's character and carry out your special role in his work? Because you have one, a zeal for his work. Jesus was zealous and passionate. He was passionate for the work of his father. Let's look at John 4, 34 and 35. And it reads, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. I love this scripture. Why? Because the nourishment about which Jesus was speaking was, was spiritual nourishment. It includes more than Bible study, prayer, and attending church. It includes more than what we're already not doing. We're running behind. So it includes more than Bible study, prayer, and attending church. Spiritual nourishment, and this is where we miss it, guys. Spiritual nourishment also comes from doing God's will and helping to bring his work of salvation to completion. We are nourished not by only what we take in, but also what we give out. So that's why some of us are walking around discouraged and confused and frustrated. It's because you're not giving out. You keep coming in. And, and y'all, when I was doing this message, I had to repent over and over again doing the message, right? Because that's why I prayed, Lord, change our thinking. 
Because for years, I just thought about coming to church receiving. Oh, I can't wait to hear that message. Oh, that message was great. And what did you do with the message between this Sunday and the Sunday that came after that? We did nothing with it. You did, you sign up to serve and don't even show up. What are we doing? This is God's church, your God. This is God's idea. These are God's people, right? And, 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 and we make excuses why we don't witness or why we don't share. Oh, they won't know. What are you talking about? Jesus knows how to reach everybody right where they are. He, 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 it's not his will for anyone to perish. So that's why we all got to get busy. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of love to share, a lot of joy to share. It's time for a greater zeal for God, more passion for Christ, a deeper commitment to our mission so that we can say, my zeal for your house will consume me. Let's talk about, let's go to Psalm 69 and 9. Now, this is a psalm that, that David wrote, right? And I believe it's a prophecy of Jesus. We've been taking this to mean that Jesus' passion and fury, um, was he was so consumed that it came out in burning passion, and that's true. I believe it was where Jesus was in the present, but also where he would be in the future. It says, for, the zeal, for zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. In this psalm, the context of the word consume isn't to be filled with passion and emotion, but it's actually being consumed in another sense, to be utterly used up, exhausted, like wood would be consumed by fire, where there's nothing left. David, is saying that his faithfulness to God and, in, and indeed zeal for his house has caused him to pay a price. The Bible tells us to count up the cost. He was consumed and exhausted and he was weeping and being mocked. Now when we go back to John, and we see Jesus, soon he would be consumed on the cross. It would happen during another Passover when Jesus would be offered up as the once and for all Passover lamb. The only Passover lamb that completely satisfied God's wrath for sinners. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf, on your behalf that we might become righteous. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? He did that for you. He did that for the church. See, it was Jesus' zeal for his house that caused him to be consumed on our behalf on the cross. Jesus did it willingly. Then the apostles were consumed. In case you didn't know, they died martyrs' deaths. They did it so you could be here. 
Then the reformers and other believers down through the years gave up everything, everything, so that the church would continue. So I'm here today as I wrap it up to let you know it's your turn. It's your turn to be consumed, to have a zeal for the house and be consumed by it and do it with joy. Isn't it an honor that he would think enough of us to entrust us, to partner with him, to build his church, to represent him on earth? to share good news, to actually be good news. So are you willing to let yourself also be consumed for Jesus' church? I don't think we're all called to literally die for Christ, but I do know we're all called to live for him. Every one of us are called to live for him. It's your turn. It's your turn. I want to end on this last scripture. And it's such a beautiful scripture. Beautiful scripture. Revelations 19, 7 and 8. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. Let, you know what? Let's just rejoice right now, right there. Let's just, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what the word says. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to take a praise break. It said, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen, listen to this, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You see, the bride of Christ is being dressed by your love, by your service, by your sweat, by your tears, by your sacrifice, your righteous deeds. You see, the church has always been built on sacrificial love. But we think something's wrong when we get tired. We think something, something's wrong because we're feeling a little discouraged. It wouldn't be called sacrificial love if it was easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful sometimes. People are going to lie on you. Wait a minute, working in a church? Yes. We should expect it to be rough. Isn't that the least we could go through? When you see what Jesus did for you? That same resurrection power that you call on to be healed is the same power will help you get out of bed to go serve somebody. 
It's like we want to use it when we want to use it, when it benefits us. No, 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 no. The way of God is outward focus. It's not about you. It's about who are you serving? What are you doing? So basically the scripture is telling us that it's through our love that the bride is being prepared. We're getting the bride dressed. You don't want to miss out on that. Amen? So, my friends, zeal for God's house consumed Jesus. And you know what? Basically, if we love Jesus, it should consume us too. Let's put our zeal to work. Let's begin to reach out and be faithful and understand that it's a privilege to serve. Let's not be so narrow-minded, but let's understand the full picture. You're a part of the picture. Just think of all of us in this service, not even the morning service, but if all of us would understand the importance and the beauty of your zeal for your God and the difference that he wants to make in our lives and in our children's lives, I can't imagine not having a zeal. God's been too good to me. He's been too kind to me. If I was to leave today, it's been worth having him in my life. My name is written in the book of life. That's why we can rejoice even in the worst times. That's why I could go and comfort and encourage people because the God we serve is faithful. He's holy. He's righteous. And he loves you. He loves you. But he needs you. He needs you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We clearly see today that you desire us to center our lives around you, your bride, your church. And Lord, we repent for being lukewarm. And we ask that you would put a zeal in us that will never cease. Help us to love you with all of our hearts and love others the way you love us. We want our lives to bring glory and honor to you. And we count it a privilege to partner with you, to care for your church. Thank you, Lord, for transforming our hearts by your word today and giving us a zeal for your house. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on and put those hands together and give God praise. Oh, come on, stand to your feet and give him praise. Come on and open your mouth and give him praise. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. We love you. Yes, Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your transforming power. Right now, I want those of you who know the Lord to begin to intercede for the lost. We're going to pray. We're going to give this opportunity for those who don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming for a church who believes in him. He loves you so much that he gave his all for you. And he wants to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. Doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. He loves you with an everlasting love. 
All you have to do is believe. So we want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, you raised him from the grave. I repent of my sins and choose Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I will be empowered to live a life pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, put those hands together. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to say congratulations to you and welcome to the family of God. Those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online. And, and we want to hear if you said yes to Jesus. We want to hear from you. So please text yes to Jesus today. Text belong to 77411 to let us know that you said yes to Jesus. Amen. We have information for you that we would love to give you so that we can help you walk this walk. It's the best walk you could ever live. Anybody believe me today? Anybody, any witnesses that living for Jesus is the best life ever. It really, really is. We're going to ask our uh, altar workers to come and they are here to pray with you. If you said yes to Jesus for the first time or rededicated your life, we want to pray with you. But also if you have any other prayer requests, that's what we're here for. We're getting, we get excited about doing the work of the Lord. And I'm so excited for all of you because I just believe, I just believe God shifted our minds today so that we will understand the privilege it is to be a part of this church and to do our part in preparing the bride because he's coming soon. And you're a part of that puzzle, right? We need your peace. We need your peace. God is good. All right, we're going to dismiss you. Have a great Thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. God loves you. And, and when you go, some of you are going home and you're going to families that don't know the Lord, shine bright. Go in there with love and kindness. How many know your zeal can speak loud even when you don't say a word? But let's go expecting, not just a grateful heart, we're grateful, but we're expecting God to do more for his kingdom, right? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for transforming us, Lord. We pray a blessing over everyone here. Lord, we pray that you would give us traveling grace, those who are going to be with their families. And Lord, just let us fill our mouths with thanksgiving, not just good food. We want the good food too, Lord, but we ask that we would just let blessings come out of our mouth. Let us bless our families. Let us bless those that we come in contact with because you care for every single person. You paid for them to be saved, and we thank you for allowing us to shine bright and brighter every day until you return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving, and keep the zeal for the house. God bless you.